It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 406 of Locked On Raptors for Halloween, Wednesday, October 31st. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. And of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network team focus shows for all 30 NBA teams. We got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA with David Locke. We've got Ben Golliver on the weekly episode on Tuesdays with Dave Ramil and Wes Goldberg on Locked on NBA. It's a fantastic get. Sam Amick is also on weekly. He's uh, going to be doing one shot show a week as well. They might be mixing up the days where they're on, but Sam Amick, Ben Golliver, each on Locked on NBA once a week. Uh, so it's a great way to get a nice national perspective in addition to the local perspectives that all of our hosts provide. And if you're an NFL fan, your your team just made a trade at the deadline, make sure you're checking out the Locked On corresponding shows for those teams as well. I believe the Lions made a trade yesterday. They traded Golden Tate. Listen to Locked On Lions to hear all about that. It's a, it's a great way to get a local perspective on any team that you care about. It's a Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and it's the only place that provides that across all of the professional sports, all the big ones at least. Hockey. <laughs> We'll get there soon, probably. Also, college. We have all the college shows as well. Uh, please find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all those places, and please leave a rating or a review. It's the best way to support the show. I very much appreciate it, and uh, I'm forever indebted to you if you have already left a rating on the iTunes page. We have so many ratings. It's lovely, and I appreciate every single one of them and every single one that is still to come. All right, on today's show, it's just myself going solo. Uh, gonna kind of catch up on the last couple days. Life has intervened a bit uh, the last couple days, so I haven't been able to get one out since the James Herbert episode, which is already our most downloaded episode of all time, so thank you if you're a new listener who downloaded that, or if you're an old listener who downloaded that, thank you so much for making that the most downloaded episode of all time by quite a wide margin. Uh, so just kind of catching up on the last two days. It was a big two days for the Raptors. They played Monday in Milwaukee. We're going to talk about that game in segment one. Segment two, we'll go to the Sixers game, and then we'll wrap things up at the end with uh, what is going to be a regular thing on this podcast the Kawhi Appreciation Minute because Kawhi Leonard is awesome and it should be uh, noted throughout the season because we don't want to end up uh, having forgotten to appreciate the very, very good player who is on the Raptors who might not be here beyond this season, although it's okay to be optimistic. It's okay to feel good about how it started with Kawhi on the Raptors, so we will get to that at the end of the show. Let's get into the Bucks game, though. So the big story out of this one was Kawhi resting and everyone was all up in arms about that. I think it was the right decision, and obviously that becomes more of a solid stand, place to stand after what happened on Tuesday in the game against the Sixers, but I just I am okay with resting Kawhi and just sort of maintaining his body and 
giving him the best possible start in the season that you can. You know, we get to the end of October and Kawhi has yet to take a flight this regular season. He's been in Toronto for like three straight weeks. Not only does that let him check out all the good roti spots, it also allows him to avoid a flight and hopefully maintain his health and get back into game shape. And it's not like when he's played, he hasn't been, you know, asked to do a lot, right? If, you know, he was playing 20 minutes a game and they were limiting his, limiting his minutes, I'd be more concerned about the resting. I really think it's just part of the process right now, early in the season, trying to, you know, just kind of, you know, establish a, a regimen for Kawhi and I, I, just trying to get him back into full game shape. I mean, it's ridiculous if he's not already in full game shape, considering what he's doing so far in the five games that he has played. But just it makes a lot of sense after he played nine games last season, to me at least, to rest him and try to maintain his body early in the year and avoid these flights on back to backs where it's one game. It's like a little trip. It's unnecessary if you know, for the Bucks game, I think with Giannis being out, maybe they thought they could steal that one, or maybe they thought, hey, like, even if we can't steal it, we lose that one, we can come back. Philly's on a back-to-back in Toronto on Tuesday night, so we're not at a huge disadvantage. Maybe that gives us an edge up in that game by keeping Kawhi fresh, keeping him back in Toronto, and maybe we get Fred Van Vliet or OG Ananobi back, they'll be fresh too. Obviously, that didn't happen for the Raptors, but just, uh, I thought it was a, a good way to go about it and this is the long game Nick Nurse has talked all about how the the, the regular season really doesn't matter anymore for the Raptors they're past that point and hey they're 6-1 and one. They, they're really good they're 7-1 and one, or whatever the hell they are they're 7-1 and one. They're, they're extremely good they are, are going to win a ton of games regardless of what happens this year even when Kawhi's out they're going to be able to win games and ultimately all that matters for this team considering what's happened the last few years is getting to the postseason in the most peak efficient way possible and to just have guys ready to be good at that time of year. And the best way to do that for Kawhi right now is to manage his workload early in the season. They've essentially eliminated almost an entire month of grind from his body. That is... And obviously he's played games, and that's that obviously takes a toll. But the travel is is huge for these guys, and to avoid an entire month of that because the schedule's been friendly, they've only had two road games so far, and to take advantage of that friendly schedule before things get a little bit more, you know, I guess typical in terms of the typical run of a season with in terms of road trips and going on the road and stuff. I think it's a really good idea, and as long as he's healthy by the end of the season and the Raptors are able to perform to the level we've seen so far this year with Kawhi in the lineup in the postseason and not have the same struggles they've had in the past, then it's going to be all worth it. And I think that's the best, highest possibility way to kind of ensure that the guys that you need to be humming come playoff time are going to be humming come playoff time. Obviously, the Kyle Lowry thing is a little interesting because he's played a lot of minutes and, you know, I think people are starting to get a little concerned about that. He played 37 on Tuesday against uh, the Bucks. He played 34 despite it being kind of a blowout at the end and he was playing late in the game against the Bucks on, on Monday. I think probably the... Like the, just the fact that Fred Van Vliet and DeLon Wright have been out, I think that's probably what's got his minutes up. I think once they have their full complement of point guards, Lowry's minutes are going to be slashed a little bit again, and we'll see his you know per minute his, probably down to like 31, 32, I would guess, from like the 35 he's at right now. I think that's probably the plan. It's just it's not been really that feasible when you have Lorenzo Brown out there not doing anything in the way of you know providing contributions to winning. Um, speaking of Lorenzo Brown, the bench was really bad against the the Bucks on Monday. I don't really know what to take from this Bucks game. It wasn't good. They looked bad. Their defense was all out of sorts. And without Giannis, it was kind of disconcerting how easily the Bucks were able to kind of pick apart the Raptors. I thought Kyle Lowry had a pretty rough defensive game. It was nice. He had 15 assists. And yes, he missed his shots. But I still think he kind of steadied the Raptors when he was in the game. 
um, aside from right near the end when the Bucks kind of pulled away. But I think the defense, like from Lowry, the, the on-ball defense was kind of disastrous the entire game. You had Malcolm Brogdon blowing by Lorenzo Brown from like 35 feet out and Brown having no chance and just deleting the easy layups. Eric Bledsoe uh, did the thing where he kind of cooks Kyle Lowry. He's done that for most of his career. He has 17 points. He was 7 of 12. Um, and, you know, that's just a guy that Lowry's always kind of had trouble with. He always has trouble with those bursty point guards. And it just there's not a, there weren't enough horses, right? Like, and they were essentially playing with five functional players because Jonas was really stifled by Brooke Lopez or Thon Maker, whoever they were playing at center for Milwaukee. And he was kind of a non-factor. And everyone else on the bench was just non-existent. Lorenzo Brown was two of nine. Malachi Richardson played 13 minutes and was one of six. Like... You just can't have that. C.J. Miles was forcing things. His shot was like, you know, it's nice that he has a quick trigger on the shot, but it was almost too quick against the Bucks, and he was a disaster when he was on the court. He was a minus 27. So there was just no meaningful contributions coming from the bench. And when you're playing with five guys, essentially, who are giving you something, you know, you're going to kind of, even with the Bucks not having Giannis. The Bucks had a lot of guys contrib- contributing. They had like Pat Connaughton and Dante DiVincenzo doing things and hitting shots. And when the Raptors aren't hitting shots, like they were 9 of 45 from 3 in that game. Like that's just, it's a big math problem to overcome. And the thing about the Bucks now too is that because they're taking so many more threes than they were, I mean, they took 45 threes in this game and typically they'd be around like 24, 25 a game. But under Mike Budenholzer, they're firing away and that limits the sort of margin for error for you to miss shots against the Bucks now because the Bucks have always been talented. They've always had guys who can fill the hole, but they have kind of limited themselves by having a low three-point volume. That's a lot higher now. That's different now. And when they hit 42% of their threes, they hit 19 threes in a game. It's just going to be really difficult when you only have five guys who are really contributing. And you're missing three of your seven best players in Kawhi, OG, and Fred Van Vliet. I mean, that's just how it is, right? So I, uh, I'm not too concerned about that game. Nothing to really be upset about there. Before I get to that, I want to tell you about our sponsor for today, and that is Vivid Seats. We all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on our favorite team. And with Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more to save you even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. It's free. Use the promo code Locked On for twenty dollars off orders of two hundred bucks or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a one hundred percent buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and enter promo code Locked On for twenty bucks off orders of two hundred dollars or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. As we've seen so far, the Raptors are extremely exciting. They're on the road now, but they'll be back home soon enough. And if you want to go check out a game, it's not going to be cheap this year because Toronto is a very expensive place to live. But Vivid Seats is here to help you save some money and get to the game that you want to go to, whether it's the Raptors, the Maple Leafs, whether it's a concert you want to see. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event live event with $20 off orders of 200 bucks or more when you use the promo code LOCKEDON as a new customer of Vivid Seats. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, the Sixers game. The Raptors beat the Philadelphia 76ers Tuesday night, 129-112. 
This was a strange one. I was, I didn't actually get to watch the entirety of the game because I was doing my radio show during the start of this game on TSN 1150, so I apologize if I'm not getting some of the minor details down, but I caught the fourth quarter of this game in its entirety, and man, it was a strange game. The Raptors kind of blew blew the, the doors off the Sixers for three quarters. They looked like the much better team. There was a bit of a stretch in the first quarter where the bench was a little iffy, but then they had like a 10-0 run and it kind of made everything okay. And then they just kind of were the better team for the run of play. And then the fourth quarter comes around, and the run that the Sixers have within them, I mean, they're still a good team. They were able to put it together. They started to hit, started to hit some shots, and they really kind of made it hairy for the Raptors there. I think they maybe got it down to six at one point. I think 117-111 was the closest it ended up getting. But then the Raptors, as they want to do at this point, they... I don't know, they just have this pull-away speed where they can kind of hit a gear where their defense is so swarming and terrifying and aggressive and deflection-causing and turnover-inducing, and that leads into such beautiful, quick-fire transition offense from Danny Green or Kyle Lowry or Kawhi Leonard or Pascal Siakam. Pretty much everyone on the court at any time is capable of getting out and running and causing some sort of havoc off of that defense, and... It just leads to the Raptors having these insane runs where we saw it against the Celtics, for example, where that was a really close game for pretty much 45 minutes or 42 minutes, whatever it was. And then the Raptors hit this gear where they got a run of stops going. And when they get those runs of stops going, they're usually turning it into buckets at the other end just because they're setting themselves up with such a, a mismatch going the other way, whether it's Kyle, you know, hitting Pascal Siakam with a with a pass where Pascal's like already under the basket in a second and a half because he's insanely fast. Or it's, you know, the, a pass, a hit ahead to Danny Green, who's on the wing, who hits a wide open three, which we saw last night. Or it's Kyle coming up and pulling up or Kyle going to the basket, which he's doing a lot more. It's just, it's been extremely impressive to watch this team when it really gets going. And yes, there have been some ups and downs. The defense has been, you know, iffy here and there. I think it's probably been better than maybe it's given credit for just because it has these stretches where it looks like the best defense on earth. And those are the stretches where I'm just like so encouraged by the Raptors and what they can be. Um, so yeah, that, that's just kind of my, my takeaway. First of all, the, the biggest takeaway from, from the fourth quarter of this game is, oh my God, the Raptors can pull away pretty much any time they want once they buckle down and have the right guys in. Um, we're going to get to Kawhi Leonard in the final segment, so I'll save it because I just want to kind of dedicate a segment to him because dear Lord, he's ridiculous. But, um, some other nice performances from this game, I guess let's start with Pascal Siakam, who has had two great games in a row, actually. Against the Bucks, he was 10 of 16 for 22 points, 8 boards, 2 assists, 4 steals, a block. Um, he missed all four of his threes, but I, I'm just really impressed by Siakam right now. And then against the Sixers, 15 points, 15 boards, 2 assists, 3 steals. He's kind of filling up the stat sheet right now. He was 6 of 8 from the field, missed his three again, but it almost doesn't matter. And the thing about Siakam that I'm so impressed by and that's really different this season is that he seems like he's not just a guy who's there to pick up garbage buckets, you know? He like in the past he's been a guy who will draw those outlet passes and score on the break or he'll pick up an offensive rebound or he'll have a cut where things kind of break down and they find him, you know, in the dunker spot and he's there. That's not really the case anymore. He seems to be more of an active part of the offense and they're willing to throw throw to him and say, "All right, like you have a mismatch on you, go to work, dude." He did that incredibly well against the Bucks on Monday against Ursan Ilyasova. Ilyasova, you know, predictably had 19 points against the Raptors and was really good, but 
Siakam, like, when he sees a matchup that he can beat, he's not just, he's taking advantage of it now, and the Raptors are funneling the ball to him in those situations, and the same happened against Dario Saric. There was a couple clips floating around out there of, of Siakam just, like, completely bullying Dario Saric for that little six-foot push shot that he has down to a science at this point for, for Pascal. It's been two years that he's been money on that shot. And it's just, it's really, really cool to see him becoming more of a fully-fledged part of the offense as opposed to being sort of this ancillary character who's there to kind of jump passing lanes and be, uh, you know, sort of just like an athletic dude in the backdrop doing the little things. Like, he's actually doing the things that, you know, stand out now. And that's really exciting. He had, obviously, the one big play where um, Kawhi found him off of his steal of Ben Simmons, which we'll get to that. Oh, my God. Um, when he stole Ben one of the 11 times that he forced a turnover on Ben Simmons last night, he hit Pascal on the run, and Pascal had a nice finish at the basket for his 15th points of the game, or 14th and 15th points of the game. Um, that kind of sealed the run that the Raptors went on, or was very close to sealing the run. It was a part of that 12-run run to finish the game. And it's just... I'm really digging what Siakam's doing in the starting five. I know the bench is struggling, and one of the easiest fixes for that would be just inserting Pascal there. Obviously, the biggest fix is having Fred Van Vliet and DeLon Wright be healthy and having those two kind of run the show and be the offensive you know, coordinators there, essentially, and, and being able to kind of create in a way that there's just been lacking in that unit so far. And Pascal obviously would do that as well. We, we've seen him do an excellent job as a facilitator in the second unit last season, but what he's doing with the starters right now he just he's a he's a, he's an option that like teams have to worry about obviously his shooting teams are going to leave him open but as a cutter as a guy where they throw the ball to him like he is almost getting to the point where against certain matchups he's going to start drawing doubles and that's just going to open things up because like he is proving to be pretty unstoppable when he swoops in from either wing and is just going he like kind of improvises these post ups post ups for himself right he did it against the Bucks where he caught a he got a defensive rebound brought it down and then realized Eric Bledsoe was under the basket so he just like backed into a post up of Bledsoe and scored over him and that's the kind of thing we're seeing Siakam doing now he's much more uh, pioneering I guess when it comes to his own offense he's not relying on other people to create it for him and he's making it easy for them to throw the ball to him and say all right Siakam like go do this thing and he's doing it really well so that's encouraging Kyle Lowry continues to be insane 20 points 12 boards three uh, sorry 20 points 12 assists three rebounds um he might just average over 10 assists this season this might just be what happens in this offense where he has the ball in his hands more often but he's looking for his shot less I believe his usage rate is still under 20 percent which is insane considering the numbers he's putting up averaging about 20 a game but uh, I just the fact that he is has the ball so often and the offense is coming so easily to him and his centers have been so wide open and ripe for you know assist making Serge Ibaka I mean the dude is kind of reinvented himself this season he's not really shooting threes anymore it's crazy he did against the Bucks but I think a lot of that was because Kawhi Leonard wasn't in there and they needed Ibaka's you know additional offense but you know for the most part he's been a role man so far this season and kind of abandoned the three-point part of his game and it's worked perfectly well and he's just finishing so perfectly around the rim right now and Lowry just seems so comfortable finding him their chemistry is really taking off and that is just I think we're going to see so many more of these 12 assist games from Lowry this season just the way this offense works this might just be the result of it um, where he, again he has the ball more often and maybe this will change when Fred Van Vliet's back and Van Vliet is carrying some of the load in terms of being a catalyst but I still maintain that I think Nick Nurse is earnestly trying to get the ball in Lowry's hands as much as possible and and trying to have him 
be the sort of pinpoint guy that starts the offense most times around. Obviously, there are going to be times where Leonard has the ball and he is, you know, going to ISO or do his thing, but Kyle has been just more of a, you know, interwoven part of the offense this season as opposed to last year where a lot of times he was hanging out and just kind of off the ball. This year, the, he's just walking into assists. Like, it's just it's just going to happen. So, and with the way this team shoots, all the three-point shooters on this team and the number of threes that they're going to get up, they only got 27 against the Sixers, but that seems like an anomaly to me. They put up 45 against the Bucks, and they're going to put up a lot of threes. Like, and it's just with the number of high efficiency shooters they have it's just it's just going to lead to crazy numbers for Lowry so another great thing for him great start for him I think he right now he's sixth in basketball references MVP tracker he's been insane he's one spot ahead of Kawhi Leonard they're six and seven um so it's not shocking I guess that the Raptors are seven and one with two guys who are in the top seven players in the league so far this year per basketball references uh whatever MVP metric I don't know how it all comes together but obviously uh, the, the guys who are on that list belong on that list um Jonas Valanciunas, rough game against the Bucks. He had 23 against the Sixers. Really nice game from him, 8 of 14. I think he can be a nice part of this bench. I think he might need a bit more of a creator to help, you know, kind of highlight his strengths a little bit more as a bit more of a pick-and-roll guy. And I think once Van Vliet's back, maybe we'll see that. I also think there will be matchups where, where Valanciunas starts at center. Maybe it'll flip back more. But And we're not going to see Valanciunas play 17 minutes at center while Ibaka plays 30 every night. And I think Ibaka eventually will come back to earth a little bit from how he's played. But I, you can't argue with what Nurse is doing right now, starting Ibaka. And I think seven of the eight games, six of the eight games, like Ibaka's been fantastic. He had three blocks last night. He had two steals. He has earned the spot, and he did such a great job, as good a job as you would have expected him to do, I guess, against Joel Embiid. You know, Embiid still had a great game. He was 31 points on 11 of 21, but, um, like, I don't, I'm not sure Jonas would stop Joel Embiid from getting that either, because Joel Embiid's insane, but... Um, like that would have been a game that I kind of circled as a game where Jonas would start as opposed to maybe even the Brook Lopez game where he did start. Um, did he start against? No, he didn't start. He was going to start against the Bucks, but they, they changed that at the last minute. So I thought he might have started both of those games. But it, obviously, Abaka's impressed Nurse, and why not ride the hot hand while it's there? And over those last two games, Abaka's like... 19 of 20 or 19 of 34 from the field like just let him ride it out I suppose but I do think we'll see it flip back and forth I don't think we're going to see Jonas average under 20 minutes for most of the season it's been a rough start for him minutes wise but the production has still been there in spades and you know there's nothing to be discouraged about if you're Jonas Valanciunas he had 23 points in 17 minutes last night I mean that's like six man numbers right there I think Blake Murphy made the joke last night to just keep it this way so Jonas can go for six man maybe that's maybe that can happen (laughs) I wouldn't be shocked by that because um, obviously having a big man go for it is hard but Jonas is a good enough efficient scorer that he should just brutalize backup centers for the most part if he's going to be the primary backup center Um, and once there's more creation in the lineup he's not playing with Lorenzo Brown and maybe a CJ Miles gets phased out which I think might happen he was one of four again last night and he's just like the one glaring bad defender on the team and Norm Powell has been kind of okay in his minutes like very low usage not getting a ton of shots up but I think he's kind of staying within himself in a way he didn't last season so we'll see how that all plays out but I think there's room for improvement for this second unit but again, if the starters are going to be as amazing as they have been, maybe it doesn't even matter. The starters have been ridiculous with Siakam and Ibaka in there, and maybe that's good enough. And maybe the Raptors, for once, will be carried by their starting lineup and not their second unit. Although last year's starting five was really good, too. 
All right, we're going to get to the Kawhi Leonard appreciation in just a second. But first, is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? Your company could be mentioned right here in this space. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their podcasts. Our, our demographic is 98% males and more has more education and earning than traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor this podcast. Email me at sean.woodley1 at gmail.com. That's sean.woodley1 at gmail.com, and we can get that process started for you. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, time for the Kawhi Leonard Appreciation Minute. Uh, he's ridiculous. He's so good. Against the, the Sixers, 31 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 steals, forced 11 turnovers on Ben Simmons. Um, Simmons was a disaster in this game, largely because Kawhi Leonard was all over him, and it was a, a sight to behold, because Ben Simmons is not an easy dude to stop. It's a shame now, in hindsight, that we didn't get to see the, the Leonard-Antetokounmpo matchup on Monday, but we'll get to see that at some point, I'm sure. But I'm just fascinated to see how Leonard defends all of these really big wings, or enormous point guards in the Sixers' case, over the course of the season, because it's something the Raptors have never had before. A legitimate shutdown dude. I mean, P.J. Tucker was really nice. He was also more of a power forward than he was a small forward who was more of a physical force as opposed to just being a really good athletic defensive guy who can stay in front of anybody you know Tucker was more of a bully Leonard's just more of a pure defender and I just it's something we've never seen and as fun as the offense for Kawhi is to watch where he is so efficient that the mid-range makes you not even miss DeRozan at some points because yes DeRozan was very crafty and excellent from the mid-range but Kawhi is just robotic from the mid-range he just knocks down everything and it's almost weird when he misses but it's pretty much a layup for him when he pulls up from you know 15 to 18 feet um his threes have been on point he's shooting really well this season so far um a lot better than he was in the preseason for sure where there was a little bit of concern about his jump shot it seems to be back he was two of five last night nine of ten from the line as well ten of 19 overall he's just been everything even in the just the six games he's played he's been everything that raptors fans could have imagined and more and um it's just the the defense on ben simmons the steal that he pulled off before he set up siakam for that um, that transition bucket. And then, of course, Kawhi finishes it off with the with the dagger three where he pump fakes, I think, Ben Simmons out of his shoes and then takes the sidestep and puts it up. I mean, it's just unreal. It's something we've never seen before. Appreciate every damn second of it because it's not maybe maybe not going to be around forever. Here's hoping there's some, there's, you know, some optimism to be had about what his long-term future is going to be. I believe um, Kawhi was quoted in the LA Times this week discussing like how he likes Toronto so far and how it's going well. So there's something to put on the cork board as well if you have the conspiracy cork board where you're trying to uh, put together all the pieces to say Kawhi's going to stay. We'll see. But it's uh, in the meantime, watch him kind of be this next level guy who can make it so the Raptors against pretty good competition so far this year. Yes, they've played some teams that are in utter disrepair, like the Wizards, for example. Oh my god, the Wizards are so hilarious. And yes, they're bad. And yes, the the the, the Timberwolves are kind of a disaster as well, but they still have Jimmy Butler, and Kawhi was just a cut above Jimmy Butler in that game in every aspect. And we've seen it against the Celtics, where Kawhi just kind of took over in a third quarter, had 15 points. His defense at the end of the game was outstanding. He just kind of gives you this edge over so many teams, and we'll see 
see what it's like against the Bucks when they're fully healthy and they have Giannis and we can see how that matchup plays out. But there's just no question right now that barring Giannis, Kawhi is the best player in the East and he just gives every team, every Raptors game, it's there's just like this sort of inevitability over it that eventually Kawhi is going to do something incredible and, and do something to change the game on the defensive end that turns into something that brings the house down on the other end. So uh, appreciate Kawhi Leonard. He's outstanding. He's super fun to watch right now. Um, I, I feel like I kind of almost had this impression of Kawhi that he's not fun to watch because people talk about him as like this robot or whatever. And like I would watch him obviously with the Spurs and you see him play a lot, but to see him every day, it's so actively enjoyable to watch him play basketball because his movement is so efficient and economical his defense again like watching a dude play defense not always the most fun thing in the world but he's made it just super enjoyable to watch his like footwork with trying to stay in front of guys and what he does away from the ball what he does fighting through screens he's just outstanding at that too and it's just it it's made the process of watching defense that much more sort of uh enthralling right and then watching him turn that defense into offense is just as exciting so um whatever impressions i might have had that Kawhi is not fun to watch were idiotic and dumb because oh my god he's the robot thing actually absolutely stands up and a lot of the stuff it just seems like he's programmed to play basketball but he's just so much more than that and the the ways in which he achieves that roboticness are uh truly a delight to watch so shouts to Kawhi. the Kawhi appreciation minute for this uh, episode is now over and this podcast is now over thank you so much for tuning in um i'm sorry again for the couple days there where i went silent it's been a uh, eh, life you know life is weird but I'll have more podcasts coming up. I got one today with uh, Vivek Jacob coming up. We're going to do some two-week hyperbole now that we're two weeks into the season. Um, Mostly, I think it'll just be talk about the Wizards being hilarious and terrible, but we'll see what else we can conjure up. Um, We will also have episodes Thursday and Friday. Not sure exactly what we'll do just yet. And I'm going to have a Patreon episode this week as well. Patreon.com slash Sean Woodley Raptors. I'll have an episode. I'm trying to arrange on Thursday to do one about Morris Peterson and his uh, Hail Mary 3 against the Wizards back in 06, 07. So stay tuned for that one. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, it should be out Thursday. If it's not, I'll give you a, a heads up. And then the, the first real month of my Patreon page starts in November. Um, I, I promised for $7 subscribers there will be a special project. I didn't do one for October just because I wanted to not rush it or anything like that. There's going to be a special project each month on the Patreon page that only $7 or more subscribers get access to. So stay tuned for that. Um, once again, thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, review on iTunes. It's the best way to support the show. Very helpful and very appreciated. And uh, I'll be back again later today with an episode with Vivek Jacob. Till then, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next time on Locked On Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.